2: I still think Vince McMahon should be presiding. Yeah, for some reason, the Senate didn't take my advice. Uh, They went with Chief Justice John Roberts instead of Vince. Uh, I had suggested yesterday that Vince would be appropriate. I mean, I know the Constitution says it should be the Supreme Court justice, but I mean, come on. Uh, Vince is the king of professional wrestling. And in professional wrestling, everybody pretends that it's actually a real fight and, you know, the winner will be determined in the ring. Well, everybody knows the outcome of the Senate trial that starts on Tuesday. But the Democrats are pumped today because the GAO, that's the uh, General Accountability Office, uh, released a report today that says that the White House Budget Office broke the law when it withheld funds that Congress had appropriated for Ukraine. The Office of Management and Budget, that's the OMB, uh, over at the White House, disagreed with the GAO, which is another sign that uh, using Vince and the WWE might have been better, as long as we're going to go with all these (laughs) initials. Of course, Nancy Pelosi and other Democrats jumped on this, uh, what the GAO said. Uh, She said, see, Trump broke the law, let's impeach him. Well, there's a little problem with this, though. as Matt Margolis of PGA Media points out, um, Barack Obama broke the same law, it seems, uh, back in 2014. Remember when he traded those five uh, terrorist prisoners at Guantanamo for the deserter, Bo Bergdahl, and had him at the White House with his mother and dad and slobbered all over him? That was kind of interesting. Uh, but anyway, he didn't notify Congress that he was doing that, and that was against the law. And he also violated another law that prohibits federal employees from spending money not authorized by Congress. And shockingly enough, nobody suggested that Obama should be impeached back then in 2014. So uh, you wonder how many uh, reports in the media about what the GAO said about Trump I wonder how many of them will include this Obama story from 2014. I'm guessing none, except maybe Fox. And I'm talking about TV now. Obviously, PJ Media and other uh, uh, print outlets, uh, internet outlets will, uh, will, will mention it. Anyway, the Senate WrestleMania starts on Tuesday. And it's disappointing that Congress didn't take my advice uh, getting Vince McMahon involved, maybe setting up a ring. You know, it might actually help the ratings, which if the hearings in the House are any indication, they ain't going to be very good. Meanwhile, while all this is going on, the Democrats are over there fighting among themselves. Yep. And when we come back, we're going to talk to a guy who says the war for the Democratic Party will destroy lives and change our country. He also referred to the Washington media as the cult of Pelosi. That would be about our friend Nancy, who now that uh, the Senate is taking over, might actually have to, you know, shut up.
0: You talk too much. Always complaining about the same old stuff. Getting on my nerves. You're so irritating. Using too many words and my ears. Can't take it. You need to shut your mouth because you talk too much.
2: for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and, of course, windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. A company who will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Visit WindowsRUSPittsburgh.com. Mention STAG for an additional 10% off. Windows R Us, proud sponsor of the Jerk of the Week, heard every Friday on the John Steigerwald Show. WindowsRUSPittsburgh.com.
1: Good morning, America. Or is it? If you're one of the millions of Americans who did not sleep well last night, it's probably a pretty average morning. But listen up, you sleep-deprived people. There's good news. A breakthrough sleep solution called... Pronto Sleep. And when we say pronto, we mean pronto. Pronto Sleep gently opens your nose to focus breathing and help you relax and fall asleep. And the built-in scent diffuser delivers a blend of four pure essential oils to help you stay asleep naturally. And then Pronto replenishes the oils ready for the next night. Too easy, eh? And in trials, 84% of people with trouble sleeping found Pronto helped them fall asleep and 74% found it helped them stay asleep so make every morning a Good Morning America with Pronto Sleep available now at select Walgreens, Amazon or at ProntoSleep.com Pronto Sleep from RhinoMed bringing you advanced nasal therapies texting privacy policy and terms and conditions are posted at
0: textrules.us texting and rolls for recurring automated marketing text messages message and data rates may apply Hi, I'm Tom from Kane
3: 11 and I have one question for you What size socks are you wearing right now? If you're like everyone else I've asked you simply don't know How could you? That's because until now Socks were made in one size fits all or just a couple of sizes to fit every size foot. But not at Cane 11. We make our socks in 11 individual sizes from 7 to 17. That's right, 7 to 17.
0: Great looks and colors to fit everyone's lifestyle. From cotton to wool or anything in between, Cane 11's got the perfect sock for you. Better yarns, better quality, just a better sock. If you don't love them just like we do, send them back for a full refund. That's the Cane 11 promise. Once you wear a pair of Cane 11's, I guarantee you'll never go back to wearing socks in multiple. Multi-size ranges again. Save 20% off your first order when you text SOCKS to 246810. That's text SOCKS to 246810. Text SOCKS.
1: 224-6810. I'm Andy Solomon. Rideshare platforms have evolved to provide riders with even better experiences. Sheriff John Wetzel, Chairman of the National Sheriff's Association Traffic Safety Committee and former President of the International Association of Chiefs of Police explains.
4: Companies like Lyft are making rider safety a priority by continuously screening their drivers. Before getting into any car, riders should match the license plate, car model, and driver's name with what's shown in the app.
1: During your ride, you can share
4: your location and route with your family and friends.
1: According to Wetzel, communities where Lyft is available have also seen lower rates of impaired driving and fatal crashes. For example,
4: Miami-Dade police announced that there was a 65% decline in impaired driving arrest in 2017 compared to the four prior years, thanks in part to ride sharing. Nationally, 71% of Lyft riders say they are less likely to drive while impaired because of the availability of ride sharing services.
1: For more information, visit lyft.com. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The
0: Answer.
2: So the official impeachment trial will start on Tuesday. Less than two weeks later, it's the Iowa caucus where people will actually vote, sort of, um, for one of the Democrats running for the nomination. Now, you might have noticed that there's a lot of uh, turmoil in the Democrat Party. America still trying to get over the spectacle of Elizabeth Warren refusing to shake hands with Bernie Sanders the other night. That's a fight between a 70-year-old woman and a 77-year-old man. But it's the kids in the party, apparently, who are causing the real problems. Chris Bedford is the voice uh, is the vice chairman of Young Americans for Freedom and a senior editor at The Federalist. He joins us now. Chris, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So the headline of your piece today is... The war for the Democratic Party will destroy lives and change our country. Those are some strong words. Why do you feel that way?
3: <laughs> there's, a, there's a cause here that's bigger than even Bernie Sanders. The, but this is an important battle in the future of the Democratic Party for where it's going to go. Bernie Sanders is holding up the banner of the far left of the party. Now, the party is not very moderate at all on any level, but he is even further than that. And he is backed up by a number of rebel Congresswomen, uh, Rashida Tlaib, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and Elon Omar are the most noteworthy of them. They're fighting a long fight here. They're, they're trying to change our country into a socialist country, among other things, even maybe more status than some. And if they lose this battle, they, or if they lose this battle, they may be pushed aside. If they win this battle and they get... To become the Democratic nominee for president, Bernie Sanders, and then they lose to Donald Trump, the backlash in their party, which has already begun, will be absolutely extreme. But as I point out in my piece, that doesn't necessarily mean it'll be the end of their cause. There was a pretty strong backlash in 1964 against the conservative wing of the Republican Party when Barry Goldwater won the nomination and then lost to Lyndon B. Johnson, which was an entirely predictable thing because Kennedy had been shot. And then years later, when Ronald Reagan primaried a sitting Republican president, Gerald Ford lost that primary, but then Ford lost to Jimmy Carter. Those people faced massive repercussions and some lives were ruined, but they did end up changing their party, uh, in my opinion, for the better, and these, that's, that is the mission of these Democrats, that people will feel hurt and co- political careers will be destroyed.
2: So that's an interesting comparison because uh, so the Democrat equivalent of that happening is you know, what happened with Reagan would be that the um, the Sanders wing of the party or the or the squad wing of the party might lose um, next November. But four years later, it would be. That would be who the party would be would be Barry Sanders and those uh, and and that far left, or or would they? It could, it could take years, a few years
3: longer. It could be a, for example, before nineteen, before the the first conservative president maybe since Calvin Coolidge, Ronald Reagan was elected president. That was a full sixteen years after Barry Goldwater had lost the presidency to LBJ. Sixteen years, right? Yeah, so this could take a little bit longer but things, I think, partially because of the Internet, are moving a lot more quickly. Just in four and eight years, when Barack Obama, for example, was elected the second time to the presidency, he was against gay marriage. He said it was between a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. By the time he left the presidency, you'd forgotten all that. The White House was covered in rainbow lights, and the entire Democratic Party had shifted. Now Democrats who say that they don't think abortions okay are being primaried and sometimes even losing the support of the democratic party machine itself that's a very very quick turn towards an ideological party i think much more quick uh, quickly than it happened in the mid-20th century to the gop
2: so the fights between the old more mainstream democrats if they can be called that who had already uh, gone more to the left And the squad and their followers, that's who the fight's between now. And we don't know uh, who wins the nomination is going to tell us who won that fight.
3: It'll it'll just be one of the battles in that. Because Mm -hmm. if Bernie wins the nomination and then he wins the presidency, then he will absolutely have won the fight. But the stakes will never have been higher for the left well, they will not have been as high for the left as they, than they have been since 1944. If Bernie wins the, nom- wins the nomination and then loses the, presidential, the presidency to the Donald Trump, any Democrat who wins this nomination right now is looking likely to lose to Donald Trump. So mm-hmm. they become a sort of sacrificial lamb because of the economy, the president's popularity, and the weakness of some of the Democratic candidates. But this sacrificial lamb would be an actual movement and a cause And if they put that up against Donald Trump and lose, I think there will be a vicious backlash from other members of the Democratic Party against everyone who supported that effort.
2: This is neither here nor there, but I just thought of something. My my dad, when I was a kid in 1964, I remember him saying after Ronald Reagan gave his famous speech. He said, that guy's going to be president someday. I was about 15 years old, and I thought, man, he's out of his mind. The guy's an actor. He's never going to become president. And there he was. A time for choosing. Yeah. Absolutely
3: beautiful speech.
2: Oh, great speech. So so they've decided um, the, the powers that be or the powers that have been, I guess you might call them, in the Democratic Party, they've decided that Joe Biden is the only person uh, they have who can be presented as a non-radical now.
3: I think that's true. And some people have pushed up Mayor Pete Buttigieg. although yeah. Buttigieg is, I believe, much further left than he's being presented by a lot of people in the media. Whereas Joe Biden, even though he's pretty far left and, and was ahead of President Obama, for example, on gay marriage, even though he's been further left, he, he does strike a more moderate tone. He's not an open socialist. And there are more – most of the freshman Democrats who were elected with Ocasio-Cortez – and her whole squad class, most of those people were not socialists. They were what you'd consider the current moderate wing of the Democratic Party, and there are reports that they are starting to flock to, to Joe Biden's campaign to try and prop him up because they know that with a far left ticket in Pennsylvania or in rural New York or in Ohio, they're going to lose.
2: Yeah, there's no way ben, uh, Bernie Sanders wins here in Western Pennsylvania. Um, uh, hillary clinton was destroyed Absolutely. by donald trump here and he would get it would be worse for him um so uh I, what i thought of something uh, that, that i think is an interesting question i'll throw it by uh run it by you i wonder how much more dangerous uh and i consider anybody if, if someone like sanders would become president i consider that dangerous obviously but how much more dangerous would it be for everybody if instead of being a 77 year old man bernie sanders was 47 uh and and because that you know that the uh, no matter how much you love him if you love bernie sanders you still have to understand he's going to be about 80 when he's inaugurated if he does win but what if he 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 were a young guy what if he were a kennedy-esque guy at 43 44 years old
3: that would be, uh, that would be a more frightening prospect for any voter who does not want socialism in our country, uh, backed explicitly by our president. The problem that any of the, any of those voters have is that there are people in the wings who are coming up around Bernie Sanders who are much younger. Uh, his biggest surrogate is one of the youngest members of Congress, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Right. I don't think she's nearly of the same Presidential material that Bernie Sanders is, but then again, when Bernie Sanders was her age, he was getting kicked out of convent, uh, kicked out of uh, hippie communes for not working. So people <laughs> do mature and people do get more educated with the years. Not, I wouldn't say that Bernie Sanders got the proper education, but he's certainly no, no dummy. The there's a there's a, a huge roster for the far left in the Democratic Party and it's coming out of American colleges.
2: If, uh, uh, yeah, and if Alexandria overrated Cortez were uh, <laughs> l- legally eligible for the presidency, how do you think she'd be doing in a primary right now? in, in a Well, right now, what would, what would it look like for her if she were running for president?
3: I don't think that she, I think the idea of her would do very well, mm-hmm. but on a debate stage
2: no, she against destroyed. people
3: yeah. who are skilled, she yeah. is not impressive at this point in her life.
2: Yeah, she get. Uh, that's true. She, but just as a just as a concept, she would be wildly popular until she exposed yeah, herself. Probably. There's a lot
3: of there's a lot of pressure and a lot of anger and a lot of discontent in the American electorate. It's why Donald Trump was able to buck the Republican establishment and the Democratic establishment and win. It's because people were dissatisfied at the status quo, and I don't think that that pressure has gone down. I think it's even increased in the country. Even though some of the great gains the president has made, people on both sides of both parties have resisted him in Washington every step of the way. There's still a lot of anger in the country, and that's the kind of anger that in 2016 could have propelled Sanders more likely than now to the White House and could have a socialist of the future to the White House. The populist surge is strong here.
2: Yeah, uh, Chris Bedford is our guest. He's the vice chairman of Young Americans for Freedom, a senior editor at The Federalist. Um, So what's the significance of uh, Alexandria overrated Cortez refusing to pay dues to the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee?
3: The significance, it's a fairly predictable step for her because she doesn't like the Democratic Party apparatus. She made her name primary, running the primary against a sitting Democrat in leadership and and raising considerable amounts of funds to... To support candidates who are like her, who are willing to run against Republicans, but also against Democrats who she deems not far enough enough to the left. The Democratic campaign apparatus, like any party apparatus, their business is to keep party members who are sitting in power and in office. So they're they're very against any inter-party fighting for ideological purity. She doesn't want her money to go towards that. And that's not too surprising that she's not a team player. We've seen that she's not a team player in any, in any stretch of the word, any stretch of the word. However, what is surprising to me is the willingness of Democrats in this latest Fox news article to criticize her on the record. Uh, Congressman Meeks, who's a 22 year incumbent in Queens, in her same area, straight up called her and said, she's not on the right team. She's not supporting her team. And this is wrong. That shows a lack of fear in the Democratic establishment for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez they had over the last year or so, her first year in office. She's been mired in scandal, and even though she's still an effective person on the campaign trail, her power in Washington seems to have been weakened, and people sense that weakness.
2: Yeah, and the more she talks, the more clueless she shows herself to be, and... Um, so, I mean, at least to me, I I don't know about a 26-year-old voter. That may be different. Um, so uh, what about uh, the theory that Pelosi delayed the impeachment trial to help Joe Biden because he can campaign in Iowa now while Warren and Sanders are stuck in the Senate?
3: I think that there's a lot of circumstantial evidence to back that up. But there's no hard evidence to back that up. Uh, Pelosi doesn't like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. We know that. And she doesn't agree with the Bernie Sanders ring of the party. She she knows that that ring of the party, even though she's a radical person herself, would cost her moderate members their seats in an election. So she does not want him there. And Klobuchar uh, and, and Warren at this point are very likely not in line to win the nomination. It could be a surprise but so far they're not. So any move by her to pull senators off the campaign trail would be. Seem to be targeting Bernie Sanders. It all works out in her favor pretty neatly. So there is absolutely reason for the left or anyone to look at this and said this was an intentional move by Pelosi to make sure that Sanders had to be here in Washington for a Senate trial instead of campaigning in a very, very tight race. If she'll get the blame or if McConnell will get the blame, a lot of people just go for McConnell. And I, I suspect that they'll blame Republicans either way. She'll walk away. Uh, Nancy Pelosi will walk away scot-free.
2: You also uh, wrote a piece at the Federalists. Uh, we're talking to Chris Bedford. You also wrote a piece about the cult of Pelosi being a deadly thing for Democrats' future. What or who is the cult of Pelosi?
3: There's a lot of people in Washington who who think that she's, Absolutely amazing it, there's not a there's not an action she can take or an expression she can take where they don't read into her power when she's sitting behind Donald Trump at the State of the union uh, in in the, in the speakers of the House seat, well, he sits in the most powerful seat in the world, speaking to the nation in a speech that got as high as seventy seven percent approval ratings in some of his policy ideas by the American public. The, the newspaper headlines the next day were all about how powerful Pelosi is. It's like a strange Rorschach test where they could look at any image of anything going on in Washington and say, wow, look how great she is. And overconfidence is a, is a slow and dangerous enemy. that is a serious risk to anyone who's actually trying to seriously weigh what is going on, what could happen next. And when people put all that faith in Nancy Pelosi, they're building her up in a way that's going to lead to disappointment and strategic miscalculation. As I think has absolutely happened with this impeachment for Democrats. They're so eager to believe that Donald Trump is horrible and Nancy Pelosi is great, that they actually think this is a good idea and it's fueled by the press. And then they see other reporters writing it. So they all agree and it becomes an echo chamber and it's not helpful to any actual sober analysis.
2: Yeah, I'm just about out of time. I got about 30 seconds left, but I just uh, throw this at you. If, if if it was Steve Pelosi instead of Nancy, I have a feeling that the cult would not be quite as large and powerful. But I I got <laughs> 20 seconds.
3: I think she has become an absolute, I mean, Steve Pelosi would certainly not be called a fashion icon and nobody <laughs> would be writing pieces on his chocolate donut taste like they do so late for pelosi
2: hey chris bedford uh, federalist and uh, vice chairman of young americans for freedom thanks for being here thanks for having me okay and we'll be right back
1: with srn news
2: i'm john scott Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts has been sworn in to preside over the Senate impeachment trial of President Trump, which is expected to begin next week. Senators have been sworn in and have signed an oath to serve as jurors and swearing to deliver impartial justice. By an overwhelming vote, the Senate has approved a new North American trade pact. It now heads to President Trump for his signature. Opponents of President Emmanuel Macron's proposed overhaul of France's pension system marched in Paris and other French cities again today on now what is the 43rd day of strike action that has hobbled trains and public transport in that country. Stocks have closed broadly higher on Wall Street, and that has pushed the major indexes to two record highs now. The Dow gained 267 points today, the Nasdaq up 98. This is SRN News.
0: American General and others, to find you the company with the best rates. Give your family the security they need
1: at a price you can afford. For your free quote, call 1-800-880-7474. That's 1-800-880-7474. Or go to selectquote.com. That's 1-800-880-7474. Select Quote.
0: We shop, you save.
1: Get full details on the example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issue and company and other factors.
0: Dr. Sebastian Burke explains Trump's plan. Let me assure you that he has a plan, and there is a doctrine. The doctrine starts with a very simple rule, and it's a very endearing one. If you live in the swamp or have worked in the swamp, the first rule of what Donald Trump is doing right now is there are no sacred cows. America First with Dr. Sebastian Burke. Afternoons at 3, right before John Steigerwald at 5 on AM 1250.
4: The answer: Choose eVerify, the enhanced employment eligibility verification tool that can confidently confirm work eligibility. They've got a new look, and the process has never been better.
1: Check it out and get started at everify.gov/go. This is Chris Abernethy of Abernethy and Hagerman. You don't want the government deciding what happens to your estate or how much they will take. At Abernethy and Hagerman, estate administration is the heart and soul of our practice. We have the experience to help not only plan, but administer your estate properly. To protect your assets, minimize taxes, and ensure that your inheritance gets to the ones you love. Decide for yourself. Abernethy and Hagerman. Legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. When you've got water, fire, or smoke damage, there's no debate. You have to vote yellow. Call Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Our team is ready to help 24 hours a day. man, the
0: yellow van service master
2: this election year you can vote red or you can vote blue but yellow is always the right choice demand the yellow
1: van when you have water damage and call service master of greater pittsburgh demand
0: the
3: yellow van call service master
1: email phishing attacks cost businesses billions annually in real cash data loss and brand damage phishing emails are hard to detect because the messages appear to be legitimate to unsuspecting employees Introducing Barracuda Fishline, a groundbreaking cloud-based solution designed to help employees recognize sophisticated email phishing attacks through interactive training reinforced by continuous simulation. Transform your employees from a liability into a line of defense. Go to barracuda.com slash pl to learn more.
0: AM 1250 and FM 92.5, The Answer, WPGP, Pittsburgh, w 223 CS Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, TuneIn, iHeart, iHeartRadio.com. In traffic, we've got the answer.
1: Major delays on the inbound Parkway West, 79 to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Outbound also busy, Parkway Center Drive to Carnegie and 79 Campbell's Run Road. On the Parkway East, that's just as gemmed up on the outbound side. Boulevard of the Allies to Edgewood-Swissvale. and inbound heavy Forbes Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Outbound 28 congested Veterans Bridge to 40th Street Bridge. An accident in the Oakland Area-Forbes Avenue near Birmingham Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson.
0: AM 1250, the answer,
2: weather. Tonight, a couple of flurries in the evening, otherwise mainly cloudy and breezy with a low 20. Sunshine mixed with some clouds tomorrow with a high 30. Tomorrow night, rather cloudy with a touch of snow towards dawn, accumulating a coating to an inch with a low 23. Saturday, breezy with snow and ice, accumulating coating to an inch,
1: then changing to rain with a high 40. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick.
0: You're listening to the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The
2: Answer. Well, you wonder why so much attention is being paid to this uh, impeachment stuff and the Iowa caucuses and all that other stuff. We were told last year that we had, I think it was 12 years, to stop using fossil fuels Um, or we were all going to die, or the world was going to end, I guess, and nobody believes we won't be using fossil fuels in 2030. I don't think anybody believes that. Uh, And we better watch out, because according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, 2019 was the second hottest year ever. Uh, We're obviously doomed, or maybe not. Uh, Anthony Watts is a senior fellow for environment and climate at the Heartland Institute, and he joins us now. Anthony, thanks for being here.
4: It is my pleasure.
2: So uh, there's a chance that the NOAA is uh, wrong and 2019 wasn't the second hottest year ever. That's shocking.
4: Well, it depends, yeah, it depends on how you look at data. Um, and I first, let me say that global temperature, the, the numbers that they come up with, is a statistical construct It's created by measuring hundreds, if not thousands, of thermometers around the world, combining them all together with algorithms in a computer and coming up with a number. We can't actually measure the temperature of the planet. And the only way that NOAA can determine if there's a change in temperature over time is to use something called an anomaly, uh, where they look for a change over time compared to what it used to be. And so this anomaly algorithm is what you use to determine the hottest year ever as opposed to the absolute temperature numbers. The problem with that anomaly thing is that you have to create a baseline at an original. Here's what the temperature was for an original period of time for 30 years. Climate is, is measured over 30 year periods. And so if you have a baseline for example, like NASA uses, which is 1951 to 1980, that was the coldest period of time in the 20th century when we had, you know, the big ice storms in the 70s and there was talk of, uh, you know, global cooling and a new ice age and all that kind of stuff. And so when you compare the current temperature against that, it looks greater. But if you use a different baseline like uh, NOAA uses, uh, which is uh, from uh, 1980 to 2010, you get a different number. And so they released a report yesterday where they came up with two different numbers for, you know, temperature for 2019. Which one is right? Well, that's the question.
2: So you said they released two different numbers. Um, The headline, though, is what everybody sees. And everybody who cares or pays attention is going to see that 2019 was the second warmest year ever in the history of human civilization. So why does right. why does as it's NO, all
4: about headline generation?
2: Yeah. So what is what's the benefit to to Noah for having it ha, ha, making it not as clear as possible which which period they're talking about and which period they're using?
4: Well, Noah has been um, empire building as of late, um, and this is something that was warned against way back in 1961. Uh, where uh, President Eisenhower, when he gave his farewell address, he talked about the military-industrial complex, and watch out for that. That's the famous thing every, almost everybody remembers. But what we've got going on just right after that, in the next paragraph, he said, watch out for the um, for science becoming captive of the, um, the government-funded elite. And the problem we had is that in World War II, the government did huge amounts of money, it's science, and science, which used to be done by patrons and individual funding and so forth, now became uh, stuck on the government teeth. And now we have all kinds of science that's being funded by the government, NOAA, NASA, so forth, and so on. And um, if there's not a crisis, if it's not the hottest year ever or the second hottest year ever, these folks don't get the kind of funding because there's no problems to solve. I mean, it, it really is just that simple. But, you know, here's the fun thing. If you go to a little-known piece of data that NOAA produces called the Climate Reference Network, the U.S. Climate Reference Network, and this is not the world. It's just for the United States, contiguous 48. And you look at the data from it, since it was put together in 2005, we find that 2019 is actually cooler than when it started in 2005. It's cooler than four years ago. It's cooler than eight years ago. We actually are cooler in the United States. So in terms of the United States alone, there is no, you know, second hottest year ever.
2: That's the U.S. uh, CRN you just referred to. Um, Why doesn't it get more attention? And if there are two groups of scientists who are supposed to believe uh, because they're smarter than everybody else, um, uh, what are we supposed to make out of the fact that there are two? One says hot. The other says cold. That's kind of a. There's a big variation there in their, in their, um, in their discovery or in their, in their opinion. So how, why should anybody pay attention to either one of them?
4: Well, here's the fun thing about the USCRN data, the Climate Reference Network. This never makes the light of day in terms of the newspaper headlines. This is a little-known bit of information that is on the NOAA website. They were forced into producing this network because um, the inspector general and other agencies back around the turn of of the century, near 2000, found out, and and I verified with my own studies, that the climate monitoring network of the United States was badly compromised. It had all kinds of biases. and Almost all of them were towards warmth. And as a result, it was reporting badly. So they got this new state-of-the-art, triple-redundant, away-from-civilization monitoring network put into place called the Climate Reference Network. Well... The Climate Reference Network, the data that comes out of it, does not support the narrative. And as a result, it does not get headlines.
2: Wow. I mean, that, and thats I hear that all the time. And, and um, uh, do, do people, I mean, this is, I guess, a, a dumb question, but the people like to report the most dire predictions because they fear that if we don't, those dire predictions will come true and the world will end? I mean, um, why is there, why is the reluctance, why is there such a reluctance to believe that it ain't that bad?
4: Well, it, I think it boils down to funding. If there's not a problem to solve, you can't write requests for new grants and get funded. You can't solve, if there's no problem to solve, nothing to study. You know, if, if you go into the National Science Foundation and say, I would like to write a paper on all is well about the climate. They're going to laugh in your face. Right same you know so you have to have um, you know there there's a crisis there's a problem there's a you know a temperature increase uh, you know the polar bears are going to die whatever they have to have a crisis to get it funded and that's the problem
2: and but there are people out there who you can say that to them and they they just they they're they're just not willing to accept it they think that you no, are a, a science denier
4: right they, there is this belief that science is pure and pristine and there are some parts of it that are that way but the fact of the matter is is that almost everything related to climate has become beholden to government funding everything produced in climate science is from the government and it's connected to funding and if you say well the climate crisis really you know it's not turning out like it's supposed to and we really haven't had all the problems that were forecast which in fact is happening Um, You know, we haven't had a big uh, increase in hurricanes. Uh, 2018 was a completely tornado for a year in the United States in terms of severe tornadoes. There's all kinds of things that aren't happening that were predicted. And so, you know, you lose your funding if you don't have things come true or you don't, you know, project the next problem. And it's uh, people believe that science is pure, but really it's connected to funding more than anything and more than ever.
2: Wow. And we're talking to Anthony Watts. He's a senior fellow for environment and climate at the Heartland Institute. Uh, Was it just yesterday that uh, the um, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration came out with the claim that 2019 was the second warmest? Is is that just yesterday they came out? That's
4: correct. Yesterday. And as a result, they're going to... um it's also the end of the decade. They said twenty nineteen was the hottest decade ever. They said the same thing back in two thousand nine. <laughs> um and but the differences involved are minuscule. We're talking about differences in hundreds of degrees, you know, yeah. like the last six hottest years or whatever. And quite frankly, I don't believe that uh, climate science has the precision in its yeah. makeup to be able to measure temperature that
2: accurately. I was just going to say that we're we're measuring uh, we're measuring the 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 temperature for a a sphere that's pretty big dangling out there in space uh, and with all kinds of variables and we're going to talk about hundreds of a degree as if there's some accuracy in that.
4: That's what they're claiming. If you look at the numbers they were they produced for the last decade, they were all within, at, you know, in some cases just a couple hundredths of a degree from one year to the next, and then claiming, well, that's the hottest year because it's a you know a couple of hundred degree warmer. Well, golly, how in that heck does that affect anybody? You know, <laughs>
2: well, <laughs> well, we're told that if if we don't uh, if we allow it to keep increasing by that hundredth of a degree uh every year, then in fifty years it's gonna be increased by four hundredths of a degree and, you know, or or a half a degree or something, and that's when we're all gonna die. That's that's what we're supposed to believe, well, isn't it? Well, well they will be dead that's by what then. But. Like
4: you to believe. That's what some of the alarmists would like you to believe. But here's the thing. If you go back and look at how humanity has fared over the last two thousand years We have the Roman warm period. We have the medieval warm period. We also have some cold periods. Um, You know, the Dark Ages, that's when we had the Black Death and so forth. Humans have done so much better during warm periods than they have in cold periods. Crops grow better. uh, Commerce is better. Everything is better when it's warmer. And the fact of the matter is that the temperature changes that we've seen in the last 50 years in uh, the world and in the united states aren't that much different than the temperature increases that we saw during the roman warm period near the time of christ and the uh, medieval warm period when we had a renaissance of science and literature <laughs> and art and and productivity so you know and, and it, it's not all bad that's the thing just because it's getting warmer doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing if it gets colder we're going to have crop failures and famine and things like that but the warming so far, crop yields continue to go just gangbusters compared to what they were years ago.
2: Well, here's your quote. For, I think this is your quote from the – or is it? Anyway, there's a, this is a quote from uh, the website um, at the Heartland Institute. Modest warming has thankfully been occurring since we slipped out of the Little Ice Age a little more than a century ago. That was the coldest period of the past ten thousand years and brought horrible human misery. The modest warming that is lately occurring should naturally lead to subsequent years being a little warmer than previous years, which is the case. This is a good thing and just brought tremendous human health and welfare benefits, benefits along with substantial environmental benefits. That's what pretty much what you just said there. That's a summary of what you just said. That it's it's good. Yeah, that, that was we're from warming. James
4: Taylor of the Highland Institute. Okay.
2: Well, and you agree with him, obviously. Um, so here's the other thing. This is the NOAA, and again, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. That sounds like a really good organization with a lot of smart, smart people. Uh, I also, I, I'm always, when I get in a discussion with somebody about uh, my denying of the uh, climate hysteria, they'll say, what about NASA. Well, NASA says this, and and because NASA got us to the moon, then I'm supposed to believe, and there's everything they say, and there'd be no way that NASA would have any reason to give us faulty information on the future of the planet.
4: Okay, well, here's what most people don't know about NASA. The division of NASA that's putting out this temperature is not the NASA down in Florida at Cape Canaveral, not the NASA at Houston. Oh. Not the the not those guys. This is NASA, a small division called the Goddard Institute for Space Studies in New York City, an <laughs> adjunct of Columbia University, a very, very liberal organization. Mm-hmm. And it's a small group of people, a handful of people that are producing this. And they were put together by NASA years ago for the Apollo program to basically come up with, you know, what are planetary atmospheres like like, what can we expect when we land? Those kinds of things. The problem with that is that when the Apollo program started getting canceled, these guys didn't have any work to do. And so they turned to climate. And the climate became their big funding mechanism. And that's uh, all they do now. Wow. And so there there it is.
2: Well, you know how many people know that? Nobody. Other than people <laughs> like you. Nobody knows that. I mean, they see NASA and they think of uh, John Glenn, you know. And... Yep. Uh, and... Yep. Who would? Who would? You know,
4: in fact, there are there are NASA astronauts who have joined with us at the Heartland Institute during our our seminars and so forth that say this climate change is completely overwrought. Um, they had a group of people from NASA, ex scientists, ex engineers, and astronauts. They called themselves the Right Climate Stuff a few years ago, and they put together some studies that basically showed this whole thing is just being oversold, and it's it's it, it does not support good science and engineering like they're used to it. They used to have a saying in NASA during the Apollo program, in God we trust, all others bring data. They were natural skeptics, and yet they went and bonded together saying the climate change is overblown.
2: Wow. Hey, I'm out of time. Uh, Anthony, I really appreciate it. Love to have you on again. Uh, this is one of my favorite subjects, and you've you've made me feel a lot safer than, and my gr- kids and grandkids will not burn up because of a global warming. I appreciate it. Sure <laughs> thing. All right, thanks. That's Anthony Watts, uh, the Artland Institute. We'll be right back. Call Marley Financial. Want just catastrophic or just accident? You know the answer because they know how to design the plans. Most of their clients save 30 to 60 percent, which can add up to several thousand dollars a year. Call Todd at Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. That's 724-884-1496 on the web at MarleyFG.com. Todd Marley at Marley Financial, 724-884-1496 at MarleyFG.com.
0: Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 400,000 businesses. And right now, listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com America. That's ZipRecruiter.com America. One more time. To try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash America.
1: Hi, this is Rhett Rasmussen of BestHotGrill.com. Just because it's cold outside, it doesn't mean you need to stop grilling, not if you've got the right grill, and that would be a Solaire Infrared Grill. Solaire Infrared Grills perform equally well in the cold of winter as in the heat of summer. Just like you feel warm from the sun when you step out of the shadows, the Solaire Infrared Burners heat your food directly, not the air around the food like conventional grills do. The intense heat also results in the juiciest food you will ever taste from a grill, gas, charcoal, or otherwise. To get the great taste, it's all about the heat. And Solaire Infrared from BestHotGrill.com gets hotter than anything you've ever experienced. Try it yourself with the Solar demo program. Solaire is truly the last grill you'll ever buy. Learn more about these amazing USA-made grills at BestHotGrill.com. That's BestHotGrill.com. BestHotGrill.com. She's such a beautiful little puppy. I mean, we walk around the block and neighbors always say, her hair is so beautiful, healthy, and shiny and glossy, D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com.
2: Fatty acids, omega-3s, and omega-6s are great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats.
1: I would really recommend people starting their puppies on Dynavite before they get into what I would call the misery index.
3: Bad skin, bad ears, bad breath. Because if they're getting all their vitamins, micronutrients, microbials from the beginning, then you're not going to run into the problems associated with the allergies, grass. Pollen, dust, dirt, fleas, ticks, you name it, and the itching and shedding
1: down the road. Our vitamins and enzymes replace the nutrients cooked out of most commercial dog foods. Dynavite for life. This is Ed Lukasevic and Cindy Lukasevic, inviting you and your pets to Dynavite. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. This is the
0: John Stalkerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer.
2: Well, I uh, I don't know how much you've heard about the situation, uh, not a situation, the story that came out of Penn State uh, the other day, and I'm just wondering why we haven't. Um, it doesn't seem like it's getting a whole lot of attention. I mean, it got it got enough attention that I see it's it was on ABCNews.com. I think it was might have been reported on ABC News. Uh, someone told me that it was a subject on, pardon the interruption, on ESPN the other day. Uh, but I'm just. It just seems to me that um, it's doesn't. It's, it's not getting a, a lot of attention. I don't know. Maybe I'm. Maybe I've missed it. But um, this is this is about Isaiah Humphreys, and he has accused the Penn State football program, uh, and it, that includes the coach Franklin, the, of um, of hazing. And we're talking about hazing in a locker room with upperclassmen against underclassmen and we're talking about locker room stuff that uh you know with people naked um i'm not going to go into the details but i'll let you figure out some of the nasty stuff that he claimed that they did to him or made him do and uh his his attorney Stephen marino says this is a family with his dad played at penn state humphrey's dad this is a family with a football pedigree the father knows the coaches and told them what was happening to his son as it was reported to him by his son, no affirmative action was taken to protect the student athlete at that time. Now, Penn State investigated it uh, supposedly and and said they couldn't find any wrongdoing. Other people are saying that it's just the the players who are accused uh, stonewalling and uh, refusing to you know rat on anybody. Uh, apparently, or maybe obviously, uh, there's no video at least yet. That's, that is, uh, it's amazing that anything can be done today in a locker room or anywhere without a video showing up somewhere. But I just, I, I don't know. Maybe this kid made up this big lie that it's all, it's all phony, and he's upset. And he ended up transferring to University of California. He, uh, he's a a really good prospect. Maybe with some NFL aspirations. His dad played the NFL. I, I don't know. I just, just, just I don't know anything more than you do, maybe, other than what I've read. But I just have this, uh, I just, I'm not ready to buy that this kid just decided to make up a story like this. Just me. Maybe he did. I'll be shocked if that's the case. I think we'll be hearing more about that. I'm going to be looking into it. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye.
0: The John Staggerball Show is
3: a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group.